0: Training, mindset, integrity, incremental improvement. What can you do better
1: today? Start right here with the Pendola Project.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Pendola Project. As always, I get to be your host, Matt Pandola. I have with me here Joe Whelan. I talked about Joe in the introduction, but This guy has been in the major leagues for a long time. He's got a lot of experience to share with us. We're going to have a great talk here about mental strategies and how any of you can do better and perform better at any level and really, honestly, for any aspect of life. I believe all of this crosses over really well. So let me first start by saying, Joe, thanks for coming on to the podcast. Really appreciate your time today. How are you, buddy?
1: I'm good, Matt. Thanks you. Uh, Thank you for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Of course. And Joe, we talked a little bit before on the podcast about what it is that you find valuable or hugely important to be able to stay in your career for long term longevity, I should say increasing that shelf life. And a lot of that does come down to the mental aspects of the sport. And I I think that's a part that we oftentimes overlook. We look at the outliers like you able to last for such a long time in such a high pressure career. So we will talk a little bit about the physical, but I think the mental part was really interesting to share that story with people. So, Joe, I want to just start off with my first question. Dealing with the amount of stress that you've dealt with as a professional baseball pitcher, and how you think you've been able to manage that stress so well for such a long time.
1: Yeah, I, I would say um, it, being a pitcher, especially at the highest level, um, can bring a lot of stress. Um, you know, I'll tell you, my my rookie my or my rookie year, my debut was. Stepping out on Dodger Stadium on that mound, you've got a lot of butterflies. It's it's you know, um, it's just it's an experience like a feeling you just can't really explain. You know, like you're just out there. Um, But to get to this level, to get to this point, um, you've got a lot of athletes who we're all you know when you get to the elite level and and no matter what sport, we can all play. We're all pretty good. Um, What kind of separates the group and what, what allows people to keep going is uh, the, the mental side of the game. Um, You know, anybody can, can hit a baseball, anybody can shoot a hoop, anybody can throw a baseball, anybody can, you know, run long distance, whatever, you know, a lot of people can do it, but um, from a mental standpoint, you know, can you continue to do it? Uh, When you step out on a field, you know, for me personally, once I've prepared, I mean, everything is, it's all up in your head. Um, you know, I'm sure you've heard the saying from uh, Yogi Berra, you know, 90% of the game is half mental, um, it couldn't be any, truer, you know, you know, it, it's from a physical standpoint, everybody has their God given gifts, but at, at a certain point, it just, how do you separate yourself and, and, you know, at the highest level of any sport, you know, the mental side of the game takes over.
0: So this is an important point that I often bring up to athletes I'm working with. In the facility, the first thing we're really looking at with them is what is our mobility? And this is from the physical aspect of things. How are we moving? What does our stability look like? And when we, we optimize those things, that equals ability. And I think that when it comes to mindset, we should be progressing the same way. And that's where I kind of think about mental ability starting off from the time that you're very young and really building on that, just like you would build your skill sets for your body. I think that that is something we miss a lot of times. Why not start with this stuff when we are building our physical? Why don't we really work on building the mental? And Yogi Berra, I think, is was famous for talking about how important the, the, the mindset really is. But I think a lot of people would Say that they do pay attention to that, but really, when you compare the amount of hours a week that you're pitching, that you're practicing those skill sets that you're strength training, that you're paying attention to all these aspects of optimizing your physical performance, then you compare that to the what you do to optimize the mental performance, and I think it's really lacking or shallow compared to that. You might a lot of people I don't think even spend an hour a week whereas they might easily spend 20, 30 hours a week, especially professionals like you on the physical. So what's your thoughts on that? Do you believe in journaling? How do you follow or track your mindset progressions?
1: Yeah, the, the mind, the mindset, um, you know, the strength developing the strength is oftentimes overlooked. Um, it's just like a muscle in your body, whether, <clears throat> for my, you know, for my sake of, of sport, whether I'm going to be working on my shoulder, um, you know, doing rotator cuff or something, strengthening my core, strengthening my legs, you know, if you totally ignore your mind, um, you know, the, the mind strength and, and, and when you walk out onto the field, you know, are you going to have that confidence? Are you going to know what to do? Is your, are you going to be mentally strong enough to you know, when, when a situation comes to overcome adversity and, um, you know, you introduced me to a book, uh, I think it was our first off season or second off season, you know, when we worked uh, a mind gym and I've read it now three times, you know, I go back to it whenever I feel like something is not right, you know, and and most of those times it's mental. And and a lot of that happens when you kind of get away from mental training. Um, but reading mind gym helped me immensely. Uh, That was probably from a statistical standpoint, the best year I ever had um, in my career. And, and it started from the night before um, you know, you asked if I journal or do something, you know, for me, it was, it's envisioning going through a lineup the night before I pitch, Um, you know, going through uh, one through nine, no matter who it is, righty, lefty. And then the next morning or the next day when I'm in the clubhouse, I'm sitting down, it's about two hours before the game or so. And I lay down and I put a towel over my head and, and I envisioned going through those batters again. And it's, it's not just about seeing it in your mind, but it's about it. Feeling it while you're seeing it, because anybody can say, Oh yeah, I can envision myself doing that. But when you get to a certain level, you have to, might has to be in tune with your body. And knowing that when I'm seeing it, okay, I know what I'm feeling when I'm going down the mountain. I know what I'm feeling when I'm getting extension. Um, Are you smelling the grass? Can you, you know, like hear the crowd, whatever. There's a lot of that goes into it. And um, if you're not actively uh, working on the mental side, you know, you can, your game can slip because there are people who are not as good as I am. And there are people who are way better than me, but the people who aren't as good as me can be just as good because they're mentally stronger than me. And then there's people who have way more talent than I do, but I'm just as good as them or better because I can be mentally stronger than you. So, you know, when you get to that, that, that high level, when you get to the top level, you know, the mental side of the game just takes over.
0: Yeah. And I think that when it comes to getting to the elite levels, Every professional athlete at that point goes through at least, I think, a period of time where they were a big fish in a small pond, and now they're kind of that smaller fish trying to be a shark in the ocean. And and eventually, I think you can become a shark, but this is where I think a lot of athletes get thrown off because they don't really need to develop that skill set as much maybe if they are more advanced physically and they have a little bit more talent or the attributes to do well in their sports locally, where maybe they do really stand out. So they're just very confident, but then they are now just one person out of a dozen other guys that can do the same thing. And they have to figure out now how they can compete at that level and be, uh, get an edge. So I think that you worry early is what I think of it as. So instead of, just stressing out when you're in that position, when you're in that situation to work on building up those attributes along the way. So you have the tools to deal with it and realize just like me, these other athletes are just like me. And I recognize that I belong here, but now I am ING, which means I'm getting stronger. I'm getting faster. I'm getting better at my skill sets. And just really comparing you to you on a daily basis, it can be so overwhelming when you just keep thinking about so-and-so. Man, so-and-so over there is so good. And I just don't think I can ever get that level. wolves well, you can. It's just a matter of time training, but also I think really focusing on how you can get better and not worrying so much about how other people are better. What what do you think about that?
1: A hundred percent. agree with that. Um, You're, you know, when when you get to my age, when you get to, you know, being an older um, developed athlete, you know, when you're young, you don't know what you're necessarily going to be. You're going to still grow into your body and everything. Um, When I was younger, you know, and I saw a guy who could throw a hundred miles an hour. It was like, man, I wish I could do that. Um, And that's just, Look, I'll tell you, I don't have the God-given ability to throw 100 miles an hour. You know, there's just certain people that can do it. Um, I don't have it. And instead of trying to be that, you know, like you said, I know at a certain point, you have to understand what your skill set is. And um, with my skill set, I got to the big leagues. But now, instead of looking around at everybody else and seeing, okay, you know what, I need to start doing that. It's okay. Let me get input from people. How can I get better? But taking that and then making my craft the best it can be. Um, Because if I if I try to go out on the game and I try and throw a hundred miles an hour, I'm going to be all over the place. I'm going to probably throw slower than than I actually can. And and I'm just I'm just it's I'm going to be so far out of my circle, my realm that you know I'm not going to know what I'm doing. So. It starts at that early age of of yes, develop the mindset, and then once you understand your your skill set and what you can physically do and what you're really good at, then it's just hey, let's sharpen that every day. Um, and, and and that way, when you know when you step out on the field, you're fully prepared, and you know that okay, I've done everything I can from a physical standpoint. I know what I can do. Now it's just all on the mental side.
0: Yeah, and when it comes to something like being a pitcher at that level and realizing that you probably are near at your max when it comes to how fast you can throw something like focusing on improving how you're throwing becomes that much more important because now you maybe can put some variety and 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 put some more skill set into your style which is harder to manage for the person trying to hit the ball but i think people listening again this could come down to a distance runner who really has to decide in moments in the race that now is time to go. Now is time to make a move or that they won't get broken when a move is made. And so I think regardless of the sport, it comes down to moments. And I, I know a lot of athletes listening to this, they're probably thinking, Hey, you know, a a major league pitcher. I mean, that's max stress. I mean, I think that like golf, things like that, where, you're thinking about that one rep at a time that needs to to count every time. And so, yeah, of course, that's a lot of stress. But really, I think that every person, regardless of goals in the sport, it comes down to moments in time. And and I think that even comes down to for my business. There's moments in time in my business where I had to make the decision, I need to move my facility. This is the time I have to grow or this is the time that I have to put effort into something different, something new, which for me right now is happening. It's the online training. I couldn't just stick with the brick brick and mortar. It's not working anymore. So my next question for you would be, um, I believe you started off as a shortstop and then you became of course, a major league pitcher. So let's just talk about that process because again, I think that had to come down to a lot of mental uh, flexibility, a lot of ability to be able to change directions and and be humble enough to realize that maybe I can contribute to my sport that I love so much in a different way than I originally thought. So let's talk about that process. Um, didn't you start off initially thinking you were gonna try to make uh, the professionals as a shortstop?
1: Yeah, that was, that was my, um, my goal as a kid, you know, obviously I wanted to get to the big leagues, but the only interest that I had was, was shortstop. Um, I, Alex Rodriguez was my, my idol growing up. Um, I played shortstop. I was number three, uh, you know, I hit typically hit third in the lineup. Um, you know, that's what I wanted to do. And, and, you know, I, as a kid, I, I thought I was pretty good, um, as a, as a position player. And when I got a little bit older, you know, then I started pitching and, and the only reason I pitched was just because I happened to be good at it. It wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a a shortstop position player. And then you get into high school and um, I was still hitting. Everything was going really well from, from an offensive standpoint, but scouts start showing up to games and, they could care less about my hitting you know they wanted to see me pitch and and it just got to the point where uh, my senior year I got drafted and I kind of just that that year I was like all right I think it's this is what's going to happen is I'm going to be a pitcher um you know and and so I got drafted as a pitcher and it was funny I even went um to to Texas after I was drafted and our uh, I'm sitting at a game and our um our assistant GM calls me over and, and he just asked me and he said hey just straight up, do you, would you prefer to pitch or hit? And I, you know, kind of laughed a little bit and I, I said, oh, I, I'll, I'll pitch like I could prefer to pitch just cause you guys drafted me. Like I'm thinking in my mind because you draft me, you know, I'll pitch, but deep down, I still truly wanted to hit. Um, but, you know, I can look back at it now and say, Hey, I, I'm pretty sure I picked the right route because um, it's pretty hard to hit a 90 mile an hour slider. I'll tell you that. Much. Uh, so I think, I think you know the the route I was supposed to take, um, you know, was the route that I, that I ended up going.
0: Man, I tell you what, uh, back in the day, I was lucky enough to help out Donnie Osborne with his pitching, and at that point, he had I think he had similarly he had been in the majors for about twelve years or so, and at the end of his training progression before he left. He, uh, he had me go to uh, his pitching practice and I stood there just as if I was the batter and he threw some pitches where they, he threw some sliders actually. And I, I remember being legitimately scared. I, I thought if this ball hits me in the shin, it's going to, it's going to break my shins. It's going to go right through my legs. I mean, that's the, the sound of that ball coming was absolutely terrifying to me. I'm sure that, Um, You get used to it. But wow, to think that somebody could actually hit that ball is it's insane to me that people can develop that kind of reactiveness, that kind of skill set. But it takes it takes so much dedication and training just to get to that level. So what I want to talk to you about now is just that process in itself, because I think that's where the ego comes in. And I've always seen you as a guy that you didn't let your ego get in the way I when I was helping you with your strength progressions, and uh, we can get to that a little bit more later, but I remember thinking, you know, this guy, he could hire anybody, and he's listening to a guy that works with mostly runners, right? And I never even watched a baseball game um, in my life until actually I went to watch yours because I was so proud of you when you got brought up. But, you know, basically, I remember thinking, yeah, this guy is really listening, and he's not sitting there thinking that, he is above all this we're we're starting with very basic things and that to me honestly when i meet with an athlete for the first time i might not be able to determine whether or not they have the skill set and potential for their sport especially if it's outside of running but i can certainly tell if they have the attitude for it and and you certainly did but you said something that was interesting to me cuz you were talking to gauge And Gage is a young man that I work with here at the facility. I believe in him 100%. And as a birthday present, you were good enough to talk to him which was, again, so kind of you, but also you get it. You pay it forward. You spend the time with people who want to learn from you, and you give back so much to the upcoming generation. I appreciate that about you. But you were telling him about just with ego how you were told by your coaches going into – or when you were brought up, I should say, you wanted to still get the majors. You weren't there yet, and the coaches there were telling you, hey, what worked before – is not going to work at the next level, so we need to change some things. So, would you talk to me about that adaptability and and how you think about those type of things? Because you are very adaptable, and I think very humble.
1: Yeah, I I, I went from um, being drafted, you know, right out of high school into into rookie ball, and um, to be honest, I I had a really really good rookie season. You know, um, at, at eighteen years old, I just walked right in and 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 did really well and and um you know almost in a sense it's like okay what i'm doing is working like this is i i like i know what i'm doing like this is good and the next year they sent me to low a and i started struggling and um i basically had our pitching coach he he told me he said hey you're what what you're trying to do right now might be getting people out but it's not going to work at the next level and and i was you know stubborn uh not wanting to listen i was like why 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 am i going to change something that's working and you know you don't really as as a young kid you just don't understand that i at least i didn't understand how big of the jump it is and how much better the players are every level you go but he's just like hey it's not going to work and it all of a sudden stopped working you know and the second that I finally opened up and said okay you know I got out of my own head I got out of my own way and I said all right what do I need to do and I started listening and trying to you know adapt it you know that's where from the mental side of the game it's like okay you might think you're good but you know there's going to be people who know better than you for me it was all right let me listen to what they have to say And, and so the second I started listening, it was like, okay, now I got better. Um, You know, now I took what my game plan, I took what I could do and I made it better. And then when I got to the next level, I didn't get, um, I didn't get complacent because I had, it had happened to me before. So I was like, okay, when I get to this next level, what needs to change? And so the second somebody said something to me about it, um, I, I went right about it and I went to, I went to go change it um you know and when so when I got to high a it became hey you throw strikes but you don't throw a lot of quality strikes you know you need to locate better so then instantly I started working on trying to locate then once I got to double a our um our double a hitting our double a pitching coach told me he said hey in your bullpen you you don't throw any strikes like you need to constantly keep you know throwing strikes and so then I started focusing more on my bullpens And, you know, just that's when it all just started going was the second that I got out of my own way and started listening and letting people help me because, you know, as a 19 year old kid, you might think, you know, everything, but when you get thrown into, you know, the real world, there's going to be times where, you know, you're going to get knocked on your ass. Like it's, it's going to happen. And, um, you know, fortunately it, it took a little bit of time, but fortunately I got out of my own way. And I started, you know, listening to what people had to say and, and it helped me because um, that's all they were trying to do. They're just trying to help me get better. Um, and, and, you know, I'm basically this past year, I went through it again. You know, the, the game of baseball has changed so much in the last couple of years. And with me being in Asia um, you know, I kind of missed that because over there, the game is, is a little bit different than it is here. Um, and so this past year I had to go through a whole new adaption phase of okay, this is where the game's going. I need to start doing that. And, and I was so anti weighted ball programs. I was so anti like this drive line program, this new thing that's going on in in baseball. And um, the second I said, all right, you know what, I guess I need to try it. The second that happened, it was like, Hey, here we go. Like, okay, I got better. And all to you know, I'd say it's God's plan was, he needed me, like I needed to learn this. And, and so the whole COVID thing happened and that's when I got to learn this whole program and everything. And that's when I signed, you know, it was just once I got out of my own way and, 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 and adapted to, um, you know, what I needed to do, what was, what's kind of where the game is going and sharpened what I'd, you know, then took another step forward. But, um, you know, from a mental standpoint, like from the, um, Learning throughout your career and, and and being humbled by the game and being humbled by things that happen, you know, um, I think everybody through that.
0: Right. Yeah. No. I. Geez, you brought up so many great points there. But again, I think it's looking at what you haven't been doing sometimes and realizing that that can make the difference too. Right. Um, that's something that I oftentimes will talk about with athletes. What haven't you been doing? I was just talking with one of uh, my podium project, I should say, a podium project athlete that I get to coach with, and she hasn't been doing hill work in a long time, and yet the hill work is what gives her a lot of that mass-specific force that she needs. And so uh, just talking to her that through, we are probably going to program in more hill work again. Because that is what's going to serve her needs and why she got off of it. That's, that's a, sometimes I think that's something that can be because of the, uh, the programming, the way programming is set up that we kind of go in cycles with things. And then you're like, wow, that thing was working really well for me. Why am I not doing that anymore? But then also looking at, well, I've been doing all of this really well for a long time what haven't I been doing because I've gotten a little bit complacent potentially, and I can improve my readiness, my relative readiness by getting humble. Again, I think is the way to think of it to say, what am I avoiding here? What am I not good enough at? And, you know, again, getting back to the mental side of things, I think that a lot of times athletes that are really stressing out the night before their big uh, quality uh, performance, whether whether that be baseball or 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 trying to to make the Olympic trials or just doing your first five k, um, if that person is really stressing out, obviously their recovery is affected. Their performance the next day can be really affected, and it really I think comes down to: Do you feel ready? If you've done the work to feel ready, I don't think that you should feel that kind of stress. Sure, you should be you know, if you care enough, then you're going to feel some, uh, you know, some, some fear even, and you just do it anyway, because you say, hey, I the hay's in the barn, I've done the work. But somewhere deep down there, you might get honest with yourself and say, part of the reason why I'm fearing this, because I didn't address some of the things that I think were challenges. And because I didn't address those challenges, whether it be mental, physical, readiness, um, recovery, any of those aspects, because I avoided that, I'm not really ready and somewhere deep inside, I know I'm not ready, right? And I think you just explained it really well that this is how you can get to the next level, regardless of being a professional or just trying to be a better version of you. Let's uh, really look at where the challenges are and having that challenge versus threat mindset and understanding that if I if I do the things that we just talked about, then I don't have to see that as a threat anymore. I can just see it as a challenge and I know I'm ready.
1: Yeah, I think there's there's two different types of fear when you step out, you know, on, on the field. Like there's that fear and that the the nerves that, hey, you, you care, like you care. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Everyone's gonna have that when you step out. Like if you truly care, you should have some nerves there should be something about you that that says all right man like I don't want to fail but it's taking that and and you'll find this this was in mind gym and this was one of the things that really helped me was learning how to take that fear and use it like use it for your good to make you better um there's the other fear of when you step out there of, of knowing like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't think I'm ready. If you have that fear, then it's totally different. And I can tell you now, like when I go out there, if I have that fear of like, okay, I'm not sure how I want to attack this guy or how, um, you know, how basically how's today going to go? I don't know. Like that's that fear of like, okay, I, I didn't do something right in my preparation, but if I'm out there and I've known, I'd, I've, I've done everything that I can, I can tell, like, it's a different type of fear. And it's more, it's more in the gut. Like, it's more that butterfly fear of like, you know, you, you have the butterflies, like you're excited, but like a little bit nervous. Whereas the other fear, you almost feels like it's kind of like a defeat. You know, you go out there almost in a sense of knowing that you're defeated. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think that, that, that the point that you brought up, that was, it's great.
0: Yeah. Well, well, thank you. Um, You know, action changes things, right? So that, acronym just to act Act, action changes things and oftentimes I think we by not acting that is that is our action in itself right that's we've still made a choice not to do anything about it or to avoid it and that builds up and I just think it's so much easier to just take that action and and see it as a challenge and really looking at these are challenges for me but Everyone has challenges and nobody skates by everyone has to face those challenges eventually. And that's something I think we need to embrace, because when we overcome these challenges, I don't think that when people say that uh, you work on your weaknesses and they become your strengths. I don't know if that's true, actually. This is something I wanted to ask you about, too, is I think that you work on your weaknesses and they become better. I think the things that you're strong at, you remain strongest at, but the fact that you've gotten stronger at things that were more challenging before and now they're less challenging, I think that makes up the difference, and the reason why I mention that is because I think when people don't, they don't get as strong in some of these challenges as they expect to, they see it as a fail, but it's not a fail because you've brought up, you've kind of stepped up these challenges to where now they're closer to where your strengths are. And and I think that's the way that I prefer to think of it, so you know you don't feel defeated when you're not, um, you know, stronger in these ideals that you think you should be because you're again comparing maybe you to somebody else or you to something that's never going to happen to the way you think it is. Just did you improve? If you improve, that is the definition of progression, right? Where you are now versus where you want to be. Did you rise up and get those things? More balanced, right? But the strengths are still probably going to be your main strengths. It's just that the weaknesses are not as weak. What say you, there, my friend?
1: I think it it all falls back on. A lot of people are scared to fail, um, and if you there's never been an athlete um, in the world that hasn't failed. You know, if if you if you're scared to fail that's when you're going to fail and you're not going to get better because um, you're not going to take that challenge, you know, that, that the nerves that you have, um, you know, you care, yes, you don't want to fail, but it's going to happen. And, and if, if we, if we don't look at our failures, um, like you said, you know, we work on our weaknesses, our failures are going to show us where we're weak. And, Sometimes, you know, Hey, there are times where you're just flat out going to fail. Everything went right, but you failed. Um, But a lot of times you can look back at, at your failure. That's where you, that's where you improve. That's where, you know, you get better because now you can, you can take an honest assessment of where you are at and say, okay, this is where we need to get better. Um, You asked, you know, do your weaknesses become your strengths? I would say at my level, know your weaknesses if you work on your weaknesses they don't necessarily become your strengths they become better there are some times that yes it, it it goes from hey I was really bad at doing this and now this is a this is a strength of mine but for me um you know a good example is my curveball I, I'm, I'm I'm a really good um you know control pitcher I throw strikes I get ahead but my curveball is my out pitch I've always had a subpar changeup. This off season we really worked on it. I developed a new changeup and to be honest, it has become a, a a pretty good pitch. I wouldn't call it a strength at all, but it's become something that I can now go to and have confidence in. You know, and 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 that's um the biggest thing is that you know I developed that changeup because I had somebody else come over to me and tell me, "Hey, that's not going to work." Like he looked at a chart, he looked at, you know, with with the new technology we have in in the game today. And he just said, hey, a team's going to tell you, you need a new changeup. Like, it just isn't going to work in the big leagues. And um, it took him telling me, because I've been throwing this changeup my entire life. And it finally took somebody else, like, literally coming up to me in a time and saying, hey, that's not going to work. And I was like, okay, then let's figure something out that's going to work. You know, so I think that's one of the rare times, at least for me personally, that I've really worked on a weakness that has gotten really good and has become, you know, something that's, um, you know, that I can go to with confidence, uh, but it all just comes down to just w- the, as an athlete, you have to understand that you're going to fail and that um, to get better, you need to fail and you need to look at it figure out what to do, how to get better from that, and then take that next step forward.
0: Yeah, it's really well said. And ultimately, I think if we can all take a step back and objective look, and even sometimes asking others that we trust and we respect, what is it that I need to work on? Um, And I do that. I have a mentor who's also essentially my business partner too, Bobby McGee. But you know, he'll tell me when he sees that I'm starting to work too hard. And this is an example of, Hey, I was brought up with the thought process that you grind it out and you work hard and you get the result. And that served me really well to a point, but now I will objectively try to look at how I'm subjectively feeling. So in other words, if I feel like the world is against me or if i feel like an athlete isn't uh, participating or listening sometimes it's actually me where i just have to look more objectively at i haven't gotten as much sleep yet i'm not i'm putting in a lot of hours getting in programming and videos done etc and i'm not looking at things objectively the way that i should i'm uh, i have more of an r- emotional response because i'm tired or I'm hangry right and I haven't I haven't had time to eat all day and so these are all little things I think that if we can check in with ourselves or even have a mentor or somebody like that to sort of keep us on uh, or in check I think that can really help a lot and I trust him to the point where he tells me, hey, you know, you need a few down days. You need a you need to cut back a little bit. I do it. And uh, so I think everybody can benefit from a mentor. So I want to talk to you about being a mentor now, too. You just did uh, something really nice, like I mentioned, for Gage. But as a father, because I know that you're a father now, and the way you're bringing your kids up and mentoring your kids, um, that is a big part of being able to share what you've learned as um, a professional and in life, so that your kids have a better life. So I'd like to ask you a little bit about how this all this crosses over for how you you parent now.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I have probably got a little bit of time before I necessarily uh, need to really parent, um, you know, JJ is only one. Um, and our next one will be uh, less than a month before our, our other son gets here. So, um, I think I've got a little bit of time and, and, um, you know, I need to work on parenting a little bit better. Uh, but I, the longer, you know, you do it, it's, it's trial and error for me right now. Um, but from, you know, from what I've learned in the game is, you know, I've seen some really, really good players. I've seen some really good men, um, that I've been fortunate enough to play with. And, I've developed um, some great relationships and, and seeing how some of these people go about with their life um, and how they parent, obviously it helps when I'm in a sport where I have some teammates who are 35, 36, 37 years old, who've had families, you know? So um, seeing that has definitely helped. Um, But knowing like it's a full-time job, you know, the second I leave the field, They're my attention, my wife, my kid, my family, you know, that's my attention. And, and one of the biggest things that I can do as a father is, um, not mix family and baseball. You know, if things on the field are not going well, um, if I bring that home, then there's a, there's a tension that's going on. My, my full attention isn't on my son when he doesn't know what's going on he just knows hey dad just showed up uh dad let's go run around in the backyard like you know that's that's his uh thought of like when i when he sees me um but if i'm not giving him the attention he deserves the love he deserves and if i'm not being the husband i'm supposed to be for my wife because um you know i've let baseball or something you know take over then that's on me and and you know you learn it as being an athlete. If I'm out there on the field and I'm not doing my job on the field, you know, they're going to say, hey, something needs to change, you know? So the last thing you want is your wife to tell you, your dad or your, you know, your son to tell you, you know, hey, why aren't you spending time with me? Or, or you know, why, 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 is, why is things changed? Why is there tension going on, you know, in the family right now? Um, you know, I think we've developed, uh, you know, fortunately uh, we've got a great family. Um, you know, I love my wife. She's an amazing mother and, uh, has made my life so much easier. Uh, but I definitely think that being a professional athlete and, and seeing what it takes to get there, you know, there's a part of that, that you can take over and, and, um, you know, cross with, with family and knowing like, okay, I know what it takes. Uh, you know, I know the grind of being a father and, and, or I know the grind of being a player, there's going to be a grind with, with being a father, um, chasing a one-year-old around the park all day long, you know, especially with as active as our kid is, um, you know, it gets tired, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, that's your job, you know, and you have to do
0: it. That's right. And when it comes to successful people, I I've noticed that, although I have great respect for some of the empires that some people that I've been involved with have built, they haven't necessarily crossed that over to their kids. And I think prioritizing your family and prioritizing the joy and the fun and just chasing your kid around and showing your kid that you have that time for them and that they are that priority is so important but then also just with you mentioned your wife, you have to have the right team around you, right? And that's in any sport, but obviously that's also in the family too. And hey, listen, I would not be where I'm at in my career if I did not have my wife giving me the kind of daily support she does. So it's-, it's I'll a little- second that. <laughs> Right, yeah, I mean, and it's and we all take it for granted. I certainly do sometimes. Um, every once in a while, I'll remind myself that, geez, even if I just write her a quick little note that uh, she's an amazing mother, that that goes a long ways, but I can take it for granted, and there's times when I forget that, and but. You know, just taking out the cat poop. I mean, I tell you what, Joe, I started taking out the cat poop. My my wife got so happy with that. It's just the gesture because I know that I'm not doing nearly enough on that end of things because she is supporting the business the way she does it takes me five minutes and it just shows her i think that i appreciate what she's doing around the house so you know and for you know for the business and to, and to support me but also as a mother to uh to give mia the time and attention and i get a lot of time with mia i do prioritize that but again I wouldn't have that time with Mia if I if I had to go home and do all the other things that she does every day. So I think we're definitely simpatico there. But do you do you take out the the cat poop, Joe? Because that's you know that's something I think the fans want to know. <laughs>
1: um, no, I don't because we don't have a cat, and I'm not I'm not much of a cat person. Um, I'm actually allergic to cats. But uh, all right, well, we are dog. you
0: scrubbing the toilets? We have are a you, dog. Yeah. What we you have doing? a
1: dog, so I, I I pick up the dog poop, but. I think how you said, you know, you, you're, you take out the cat poop more. It's I've noticed that when, when she has chores for me or she has a list of things when I do them in a reasonable amount of time, that's when she's very, you know, appreciative of what I've been doing. It's when I put off a lot of these lists, you know, days and even sometimes couple weeks you know, that's, that's when it becomes more of an issue. And, and I think that's the, you know, in in our marriage, I think that's the one thing that I could always um, get better with is, you know, she typically does everything. She's a type A, when she has something on her plate, she does it. Um, Me, you know, sometimes I, all right, I'll get to it. You know, I'll, the trash isn't, you know, the trash doesn't go out till three o'clock today, honey. Like, I'll put the trash out, but, you know, it's, it's, I've noticed that when I get things done, when she asks, um, you know, that's when uh, happy wife, happy life. Right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So I'll, I'll tell you a a Robert Frost that, that Bobby shared me, but it says, we all sit in a circle and wonder why the thing sits in the circle and knows, And, you know, Bobby says the truth sits at zero. So in other words, you know, if there's a negative 3 in your life and you can figure out where the positive 3 can come from, the truth is sitting at 0. So that's, you know, a balance that I think we all strive for, but sometimes again it circles back to looking at the things we haven't been doing. You know, and looking at uh, joy and having fun, because we've mentioned this, but let's just um, talk about fun and joy in your because I don't think we talked much about that yet. And I know that to have the longevity you've had in your career, you certainly have to still have fun and get back to the basics of why you started the sport in the first place, why you're doing the things that you're doing now. It can't all be about a paycheck or you just burn out, even at... Your level, so how do you find joy in your sport, and how do you balance that with the pressure?
1: Yeah, I, um, I, I definitely think that to to play a sport for a profession, to to do anything, just to be honest, you know, you have to have joy in what you're doing, or else going to work every day is just going to be miserable, and that's not what you want to do. That's not how you want to live your life. For me personally, I, when I find that it's not becoming, um, fun anymore, um, when, you know, I'm struggling, I always have to just remind myself of, you know, one of just being thankful that this is what God gave me and that I could be somewhere else on this planet doing something else that I, you know, don't want to be doing, but I get to play baseball. And I know that there'd be thousands of kids that would love to be in my shoes. Um, you know, so I always have to just take a step back and just be thankful that, Hey, this is what I get to do um, for a living. But when I think back to a, when I was a kid, I played the game because I just love to play baseball. Ball was my first word. My mom and dad said, I always had a bat and ball in my hand. Um, baseball, like, like we said, um, you know, we were talking earlier, I've wanted to be, major league baseball player my entire life that was my goal as a kid you know growing up in school when somebody asked what you want to do for a living like that's what I said you know whether people laughed at me or thought it wasn't going to happen that's what I would say because that's truly what I wanted to do and so growing up you know I just played baseball like I loved it it was fun um you know to this day it's still fun um yes there's more stress and and because a paycheck is involved. And now if there's not, if I'm not performing and if I'm not producing, then team's going to say, Hey, thank you very much. There's a door, you know? So yes, there are, there are times where it does the, the, the weight and the stress, you know, it compounds and, and it makes you, you know, kind of look and say, all right, what am I doing? You know? And, and um, I think you'll be, you'll you'll agree with this is that, it takes a good, strong supporting cast away from the game, you know, and, and having that strong family, having your wife, having, you know, your mom and dad, or your brothers and sisters or having, you know, friends that are there to help support. And, um, you know, it just for me personally has become my wife now has probably been my biggest supporter, you know, the last few years, like she has helped me get through you know, some of these times, especially this past year of me not knowing whether or not I was going to play baseball again, because I went into the season without a job and then COVID happens. And, you know, it's like, okay, is this it for me? You know? And, and, and then I mentally said like, all right, screw this. I'm not going to let this be the way, you know, that I go. Um, and my wife was super supportive of it. Um, but, uh, at the end of the day, having that strong, supportive cast, that family, and and just knowing, hey, this is a game. You get to play a game for a living, just have fun. And if you, you know, if you walk out there having fun, um, I've got a lot of teammates that don't, uh, that just play because they're good at it and they truly don't really have a lot of fun. Um, but for me, going out there and having fun, you know, if – at the end of the day, everything works out great. If not, you know what, Hey, I had fun and, and I still have my family that I, um, you know, get to go home to.
0: Yeah. So a lot of adjustments there. I mean, I know you went and played over in Japan for a while and actually found a lot of silver linings in that there's, um, the fans there. It's insane from what I've been told. Yeah. And now you have been picked up. Right. Um, so getting through that process, But just I just say, again, that never give up kind of mentality is the champions just keep getting up, getting up. And they also keep looking for silver linings or they look for what where the openings are. You know, and if you if you can really keep your focus on those things, I think that that's where people think you're lucky. But it's not luck. Right. Luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. And that's that's what I mean by that. So, um, you you want to speak on that just a little bit, and then I have one more question for you about training. I think we we'll talk a little bit about training at the end of this podcast. Um, but but what, what's your feelings on creating opportunity?
1: Yeah, that you you talked about Japan. You talked about this year. You know, I I had no interest in going over to Asia. Um, absolutely zero interest. And. My agent that year, he he kept telling me I had just gotten DFA'd. Um, you know, so I was taking off the 40 man and that was when it like really hit me. I was like, holy crap, I need to, you know, figure this out. And and he had told me that there was opportunity and I, you know, I said no, like I'm a major league player. Like I this is what I, I'm I'm here to do this. Like I Japan, sorry, that's not for me. And um, you know, I turned it around that year and, and I from that point on that season I went, um I think I was 13 and three for the rest of the year and um, I had a really, really good stretch of games and um, finally got called up again. And then um, at the end of the year, you know, I uh, was taking off the roster again, but I finally was like, okay, I'll go over there. Um, you know, my wife, she was okay with it. And that was the last you know, little thing that I needed, but it was about, all right, go over there and let me, let me re uh, I wouldn't say reinvent myself, but reestablish myself. Let me go over there because the last couple of years I had been going up and down, you know, so it wasn't like I got to establish myself really anywhere. It was, I went from one team to another team to another team and it was up and down. And so the thought was go over there, establish yourself and then come back. And the first year was great. Um, I had a really, really good first year over there. The second year wasn't as good. Um, The team didn't want me back after that second year. So I went over to Korea for a year um that was not as great either tough you know just the circumstances everything um and then i came back and and you talk about you know the mental side that was when it really hit me i was like okay i need to figure something out here you know and and covid has been brutal for people um i know this is you know it's people have lost their jobs people have lost companies people have lost businesses you know, people have lost family members. Like it's been tough for me personally. It happened. And that was when I looked at it and said, okay, now is my chance. Like I'm now not missing out on anything. What do I need to change? Because obviously something hasn't been working. Um, what needs to change to get me back to where I was. And, um, you know, you look at it and, 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 like you said luck is when preparation what, what did you say it was when
0: luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity that's what right. I don't know where that quote came from it's not mine but yeah okay
1: all right well and that, that's the whole i got lucky of that this whole thing happened for me that i got that time because during that time i changed what i changed and, and i adapted to what the game is now going towards. Um, I was able to take my skills and, and say, hey, okay, I got 1%, 2%, 5% better here, and I developed some new stuff. And then all of a sudden, this league in Texas happens that they said, hey, we need to have people, we're, we're, teams need to sign guys. And if no one's playing baseball, they can't sign anybody. So this league in Texas said, here, come down, we're going to play. So I went down and played and everything that I had just learned from that time in quarantine, I put into the game. And next thing you know, I get a phone call from the Cubs. and And so that for me personally, I mean, that was, I was very lucky to have that time because if it weren't for that, I would have kept sitting there beating the same wall over and over and over trying to say, Hey, why hasn't somebody signed me? Like I've been there, I've done it, but I was fortunate enough to have that time to where, okay, I got humbled. I got knocked down and I said, all right, how do I stand back up and, and doing the whole weighted ball program and everything um, got me to where I am now.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. So let's finish off with training. I know a lot of people want to hear about how you train essentially. And I'll start off with, The young man, Gage, that we were talking about before, I'm working with him on some aspects of training that can be mentally challenging, I think, because he did have a two-year cumulative injury cycle that uh, once I met him, we started from that two-year process and started to work on some of those challenges. But again, there are certain aspects that I think can be tough, and one of them would just be, comparing himself in squatting to uh, him versus another athlete on the team that can, uh, or athletes that can squat much, much heavier and looking at whether or not he really should even be concerned with that. So I, I started off by telling him, Hey, he looks up to you. I said, Joe Whelan was not my strongest guy in the gym. Uh, and in fact, none of my elite <laughs> athletes are right. Uh, the funny part is, I think that people think, that if you're going to be a professional athlete, that you are stupid strong and you just own all the records in the gym you train at. And unless you happen to be in Olympic lifting sport or something uh, that may be more relative, be a linebacker or something like that. But other than that, these athletes have amazing uh, coordination, whips, I call them, right? Like you have great whips and you learn how to execute that power relatively for pitching but it's you're not the strongest guy, and and I think that uh, when I say that, I mean you're in in you're relatively obviously extremely powerful, but compared to other guys who can bench press over 400 pounds and you know squat and deadlift you know all hundreds of pounds that's not the goal with a professional athlete like yourself, but I think people need to hear that. So when I say you're not the strongest guy, it's in comparison to the top strength in these other specialized strength sports. But, uh, you know, I think that's where we can get into trouble as athletes trying to always chase strength where really where we've gotten potentially strong enough in certain positions. So now should we balance out that strength with other positions instead of keep chasing, let's say that, uh, you know, that, that strength adaption that we think we need. So what's your thoughts on, on that in, in your training, Joe?
1: Yeah, I, you, you brought up a good point of like how a lot of people think, you know, just cause you're a professional athlete, you think you're, they think you're strong. Um, baseball is a great example. There's a lot of guys out there that with bad bodies, <laughs> you know, it's just, he's very good at hitting a baseball or he's very good at throwing a baseball. He, you don't necessarily have to have the, you know, beach body and the big biceps and things like that. But, you know, for me personally, um, yeah, if you compare me to a football player, you know, there's probably nine out of 10 exercises they're going to do better than I am, you know, from a strength standpoint. But I'll tell you what, if, if we do eyes, wise and T's with five pound weights, I will do a hundred more reps than all those guys will, you know, even though it's only five, five pounds, the muscles that I need to personally train are different than what another sport is. It's the same with a runner, you know, a runner is going to train in a different um, specialized way than I am. Sure. Everybody has their own, you know, you need to have a base and and you can train as an athlete, but when you get to a higher level, it becomes, okay, you know, I'm going to work a little bit more, on rotator cuff, I'm going to work more on stability in my shoulder, I'm going to work more on, you know, hip loading, because every single time I throw a baseball, I load into my hips, and I go, you know, so there's just certain aspects of the game of baseball that we, we start to train more, because hey, it's, it's sports specific, and and it's, it's now I'm doing this for a living, I need to be good at that. You know, I need to be strong in this area. It's not like I'm just going out and playing, you know, beer league, uh, you know, a a, 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 weekend beer league game, you know, like, Hey, I, if I get hurt, I'm costing somebody millions of dollars. I'm costing somebody, um, you know, a spot. I, I, I have to be out there on the field. I have to be, um, they're counting on me. And so it just becomes at this level, it just becomes a lot more of um, yes, you're, you're doing a base training and yes, I'm benching. Yes, I squat. Yes, I do things. But there's a lot more sports specific movements that I'm doing it in. Maybe I'm not necessarily, um, you know, because I'm a pitcher, there's a lot of Bulgarian squats. There's a lot of single leg squats that I'm doing because I'm doing every time I throw a baseball, a lot of single leg stuff. Um, you know, I do a lot of shoulder ups So it's just, it has just become more of a sports specific, um, you know, training at this, at this stage.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's, that falls right in line with, it's the said principle, which is your specific adaptions to impose demands and everything you just described there. It's very specific to uh, giving you the better ability for throwing a ball. And, when it comes to the other principle is just the minimal effective dosing, everything uh, coming down to, if you are getting more effectiveness out of a certain dose, then to increase that dose just increases or, or could increase risk versus reward injuries, or just burnout and professional athletes, they don't have time to spend, you know, hours a day in the gym every day. But when you're, let's say that you're just a gym rat and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way, or say you're in something like CrossFit and your your job is to train that is now specific to your goals. So uh, overreaching or even just doing more than minimal effective dosing, that is now relative to your needs and that is part of the said principle, but... That being said, most athletes don't fall into those categories. So, again, we fall back into athletes that are told to even cross train. You know how many athletes that I have worked with over the years that have come off of cross training and they're getting hurt. And then people think that I have a problem with cross training. I don't. I have a problem with athletes who are not. Going to the CrossFit Games and using Cross, uh, you know, um, using CrossFit as a training, uh, you know, progression. That that doesn't that to me doesn't equate. That doesn't fit. Um, but you know, just looking at what we did together back in the day, I will say there's certainly many things I did with you that I probably would do more specifically or different. And I think, you know, the failing principle, right? So those frequent attempts in learning are important for the coach and the athlete. But I feel like I'm better serving Gage now because of my experiences with you. But at the same time, I don't feel like what we did together was um, there was no negligence there. It was still a plan. And what's unique to me is the United States, a lot of times, especially we do workouts. So again, workout of the day, um, you know, CrossFit is so big, but with athletes out there listening, they're training for a specific for sport. There's a huge difference between cross training and CrossFit. And really what it comes down to, to me, Joe, is that we have a training plan and a training plan is exactly that where there's a plan for the training you're doing to fit the said principle Versus a workout where there's no plan, really. Um, It's just let's grind it out and let's do something different and challenging to grind it out again. So, um, you know, I think that what we learned together when we trained and when we worked together is is a valuable lesson experience for me as a coach, for you as an athlete, and for even athletes that I coach today, I feel like they benefit from what we learned together. And that was, you know, mostly good, I think, some things that could have been better. Um, but, you know, do you want to speak on on that? Because I'm curious to know what your thoughts are over the years of progressions and training from, say, somebody like me to, or I guess I'd say from – your some of your younger years training, and then with me, and then at the professional ranks. You know what's what's the differences you've noticed there in your training progressions?
1: Yeah, I mean the first one was when you passed me off to Robert, and all I did was uh, um,
0: you'll never let versa climber
1: <laughs> versa climber workouts all day long. Um, hey, hey,
0: you were this skinny. <laughs> Skinny little kid, he, it he couldn't even fit into your shirt that I know I brought up so many times with you, but that Under Armour shirt, guys, if you're listening, that's supposed to be skin tight. He walks in, I think he was like, I don't know, he was young, like not even quite in high school yet, I think. And he he couldn't even fit into this shirt. He wants to train with me. I was a big deal, man. I was a big deal. You weren't. And I was like, oh, come on. I, I've i got a lot of athletes that I need to focus on. And so I, I did. I passed you off to one of my, uh, at the time, a guy who was uh, a heck of an athlete. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Robert
1: was Robert was, yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, But then, you know, you, you did come back to me, thankfully. And at at that point too, I, I realized who, who I had in front of me. And and I will say that even that experience there taught me uh, that I need to really pay attention to the, even that skinny kid walking in the door, that could be, the the next best thing. Not that every person needs. I think uh, the attention deserves the same amount of attention from the trainer. Um, but I was in my mind, I was, I'm focusing on elite athletes at this point and that's what I have to save my time for, but, uh, you certainly proved me wrong that first time. And then I was lucky enough to, to help you, uh, level up after that. So, yeah. Okay. So enough of that. (laughs) I I did, I made a mistake. You're right. But, um, yeah, let's get back to the, the,
1: yeah, the, the second, the second time around. Um, no, I mean, I, I think, um, how you said with, with how you're training with Gage, you know, you learned a lot from when we were training together. I am pretty sure I was your first baseball player. So there was a lot of, you know, something that I'm very appreciative of the fact that you, you took the time to try and come up with and learn um, basically sport specific movements for me. You know, you hadn't trained with a baseball player, so you didn't necessarily know, how we should go about with some of the overhead stuff, you know, and, and the fact that you came up with like, you know, you 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 truly were researching and looking in for the best um, you know, for me, I remember, you know, we would we would box. You brought boxing to me. Um, you know, and 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 I thought that was great for my shoulders. Um probably still I think one of the best things you did was you you had um, you brought uh the guy that we did kettlebell uh training with um i forget what his name and then he moved to new york um
0: yeah you know it's i've been in this business too many years but i remember i did bring in a specialist to understand some of the art back then there weren't a lot of uh you know rkc specialists so he was rkc specialist and you know, now I've taken out of that what I thought would serve athletes like you best. But uh, yeah, I did bring in somebody. You're right. I, that's interesting. I forgot. All yeah. That.
1: I mean, that was, I, you know, you had him work with me once a week, you know, and, and to work and, and, and help strengthen my shoulder girdle. You know, I, I think I, I'll i send you a picture after this, but I've actually, you know, in here this year, we've done a ton of um, overhead kettlebell um, stability stuff, you know, and, and I know that I have picked it up faster this year because it's been a while since I've done a lot of it. Um, I know for a fact that I've picked it up quicker because I did an entire off season of training with that guy because you brought him in for me, you know? And so, um, I think over the years of our progression, you know, it, it got better because you got more and more information. You got, you know, you, you knew how to handle, and um you know and train an overhead athlete and um you know i'm i'm thankful for it um you know some of the best honestly some of the best years of training and and by far there were a couple of those years where i felt like it was the best shape i had ever been in
0: (laughs) oh thank you one thing i do believe in joe is if something is not your specialty just Be refer out and sometimes you can learn like I said I was able to understand from that RKC training what we were going for, and I was able to uh, to learn that and adapt that, but I think a lot of coaches are afraid to bring in other specialists, and um, we shouldn't be I think that it only tells the athlete that they're being served. To the best of your ability, because you're willing to refer out to other people for certain aspects of the training and say, hey, I may not be a nutritionist, but I have a really good dietitian for performance that I think would help with this, you know, or, you know, those kind of areas there. Or when I involve John Hodges for physical therapy, I'm not afraid to say, hey, yeah, I don't necessarily know this answer let's get into this with, uh, with John and let's figure it out together. So, you know, that's, I think it's, you got to have again that team around you and that culture. And if you're serving your athlete, well, I think that sometimes it does mean that you're saying, Hey, I don't know. And let's find out. Um, you're not going to lose trust from your athlete if you're communicating it that way.
1: No, yeah, absolutely. I, if it, I mean, you said it perfectly, you, there's not, a, I would say there's a ton of trainers out there that are willing to go on the record and and say that, yeah, I have no problem bringing somebody in if I don't know, you know. But I know you you do that, but at the same time, you'll then go and study it so that there is a day that, okay, I don't need you anymore because now I can, I can now serve him, you know, the way. Because I remember there were days where, you know, or, or not days, you told me you would do my workout before and, and figure out, okay, what do I need to change or what needs to be harder or back off? What, you know, like you made sure that everything was how it had to be.
0: Thank you. Yeah. And I'll just finish with this, my thought, but just again, working with that young man, Gage uh, yesterday, he was asking me some questions about the table work that I was doing with him when we first started working together. Now, because I'm an LMT, I can do those things. Uh, back in your day, I didn't have my license yet, but I can do those things. And he was asking me about doing some, uh, some work. And in and, and that, my answer was, why do you think you need this from me? Because if I make you think that you always need me, then I've always got a client, right? But that to me is the wrong way to think. You're not serving your athlete right. And again, giving him the tools and literally the tools in this case and saying it's this exercise that'll give you the strength stretch you need to continue with this progress. You no longer need the table work. That was just in the beginning when you are coming back from this two year injury, but you're away from that now. You don't need me for that stuff like you did before. And I would be, I feel like doing the disservice by making you think that you need my hands for this result now. You don't. You're past that. Sure, we can always do some stuff, that maybe some manual work when it's needed from here to there, but you don't need that stuff from me for the rest of your life. You, you have the tools to continue this. And I believe that when an athlete understands that they are actually in control, then they're ready to roll. And if I take that control away from them and I make it about me having some kind of magic, then I've really done them a disservice. But um, I'll let you finish your final thoughts with this episode, Joe. But I really appreciate uh, all of the things that you've shared today. It just really makes me smile. You've really developed into an amazing man, Joe. Um, You're not just a professional athlete who's gone above and beyond in your sport, but above and beyond in life, you give so much back, and we appreciate you for that. But what are your final thoughts for today's episode, Joe?
1: Oh, Matt, I, I thank you for having me on. I thank you for the kind words, um, and and for all your your listeners. You know, your athletes that are um, you know that are tuning in. Like from my experience, and especially you know with how long you've been doing this now, and how much you've grown, like the end of the day the athlete is all that you care about and and you are trying to make every athlete you have the best they can be you know there there's there's nothing that you're trying to just use as, as hey I can make money by doing this like you truly care about your athletes and you truly care about everything and um you know I I saw it when I was there and I know you're still doing it so um you know I appreciate everything that you you did for me and Uh, hopefully one day we can still, uh, we can get back in the gym together.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to be sending you some, uh, some, some ideas once we go through, uh, evaluation. I'm excited to see if that can serve you today because yeah, over the last 10 years or so, there's some things that I think that I can still share with you that can help you, uh, now in, in this point in your career where can people find you Joe uh, I'll put things in the show notes but sometimes pi- people just they don't look at show notes they just listen so they want to follow you this year they want to follow your career where can they find you
1: um they can find I have Instagram uh, Jay Wheland 108 that's my Instagram handle um, took a five year hi- uh, hiatus from that but I'm back. <laughs> Um, and outside of that, I, you know, it's, we'll see, uh, hopefully you can follow me on TV.
0: (laughs) That's right. That's right. Well, I'm looking forward to following you, buddy, as always. And thank you so much for your time today, Joe. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did. And I do hope that you learned something from it. Just to remind you, please share our podcast, especially if you feel like it's really speaking to you and it's helping you, then why not share it with other people so they can get that same help too. So anybody that you really feel like would benefit from this, just take a minute and share that with them. I know personally that I listen to other podcasts that I really love and enjoy listening to, and I have good intentions of writing a review or sharing it, and it just doesn't happen. So I get it, but after a year and a half now of doing podcasts and really enjoying the process, I have learned that I really need to ask for this, and this is something that is starting to work. So I'm asking that you guys do take a minute and share, that you write a review Anybody that it can help because it's helping you, you know that it can help them too. Please share it with them. We want to help as many people as we can, and we are our own sponsors. This podcast is—it's um, a passion, it's something, it's a, lo- a love, but it is still a labor, as any work still is, and it is something that we do need to get out there so that we can keep doing this and keep serving others. Uh, last little bit here i want to make sure that everyone knows i do have programs that are coming out for 2021 we're really excited about them they will be very affordable and something that anybody can sign up for and benefit from so i'm really looking forward to it and i know that you guys will love it too so we'll look forward to getting fit and being healthy in 2021 together. All right. Thanks guys. Talk to you next time.